Wendy talks so fast. I just have no idea half the time what she's saying. But she she is amazing. When we had a time to spend time with we had, when we had the chance to spend time with Wendy in the Dominican, it reminded me walking around the neighborhoods in the Dominican with Wendy reminded me of probably what it was like to walk around with Jesus. I know Wendy would probably blush there, but just seeing all the people come around her and just they know who she is. They know what she stands for. They know if she need, if they need help, she's going to provide it. If they need someone to go to, she's going to be there. She knows everyone's name. All the kids are there and, and, and excited for her to be there. And they're ready to go worship with her anytime. Uh, so she does amazing work, and I'm sure Elba does the same. So we're grateful to be able to be partners with them in ministry. Neat to be able to hear from missionaries giving us a little letter in video form because today we're going to look at a few letters from a missionary to churches in the first century as we look at the letters of Paul. So today I'm going to briefly cover some uh, verses from Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and Ephesians. Hope you don't have lunch plans. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to just highlight some things from these letters and, uh, and give you a sense of them. I wanted to mention, I brought this up here so I wouldn't forget, I have, uh, Frida and Jerry have read these books now. I have these really, uh, this really great set of books. Some are written by uh, college professors, seminary professors that I have. But these books are fictional uh, writings that include a lot of real biblical history and cultural and historical background that inform all the letters in the New Testament. So if you're somebody that likes to read a little novel, you can see they're not very big, and you'd like to get some more background of the Christian uh, of the Bible of Christ, early Christians and what they were all about, and you have the desire or inkling to grab one of these and borrow it, you can do so after the service. I've got them up on the front pew here, uh, the front chairs here. You can go up and grab them if you like, and you're welcome to it. All right, so the letters we're looking at today, I've grouped them together because all four of these letters, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and Ephesians, probably written from the same time period. Paul's in prison writing all four of these letters. There are debates about when this is. Paul's either in prison in Rome or he's in prison in Ephesus. The Bible doesn't actually tell us that Paul was in prison in Ephesus, but you can probably piece it together because Paul says that he's been in prison several times. There's a little bit of a gap in Acts where Luke doesn't really talk about what Paul did between Ephesus and some other places. So scholars have filled in the gap to say, looks like maybe he was in prison in Ephesus for a little while. That makes sense of things pretty well. But there are other scholars that say, no, it was probably a Roman imprisonment. Either way, Paul spent time in prison. He tells us that in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11 and 12, he talks about having spent time in prison in extra times before he ended up ending his life uh, by being executed in prison. Uh, so he spent time in prison. So that makes sense. And he's sending out these letters to early churches. He's sending out these, these letters to help early Christians understand what it means to follow after Jesus together as a community, how to make sense of the life that they're living, the resistance that they may be facing as they try to follow along with Paul who's in prison. They may be facing resistance for their faith. So he's encouraging the churches and the church leaders to live their lives under the lordship of, the, of, of Jesus. Uh, many times he's sending these letters to women apostles and leaders I think about that. I was just recently leading our members class, and I think one of the things we can all brag about as Nazarenes, I don't know if Nazarenes can brag, uh, humbly brag about, is that um, uh, the Nazarene church from the very beginning ordained women. There was never a question about it. And that also is the case for the early church, that the early church had women in leadership, and Paul wrote these letters to several of them 
some of them, uh, Priscilla, carried at least one of these letters to the church it needed to go to. Uh, he encourages them to live their lives under the Lordship of Christ, and that's what we're going to think about today. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 is where I'm going to start. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, this is one of my favorite scriptures, this hymn to Jesus that's uh, introduced by have the same mindset of Jesus. And then Paul gives us what is very clearly something that was probably sung by the early church, either written by Paul or maybe by somebody else. And Paul is quoting them and everybody who reads the letter knows, oh yeah, that guy, that apostle or whoever it was wrote that, Paul's quoting it now. We sing it together. Um, it's, it's a special scripture for me because uh, back when I was a single man and I said to myself, well, it is very hard to meet Christian women. Perhaps I will try a Christian dating website and see if that's a way to meet women. I ran across this woman who had Philippians 2, 5 through 11 listed in her profile. And I said, uh, that is one of my favorite scriptures. And if you've chosen that of all scriptures in the world, you understand what it means to live your life in a way that, that serves others and pours yourself out and lives into the mindset of Jesus. And so I married her. And thank you, for, thank you for celebrating. Thank you for celebrating her today because I celebrate her every day. Uh, but the idea behind this uh, chapter, you can uh, this, this section here, uh, I, one thing I really want to point out to you is take note when you're just reading a passage, take note when words are repeated. Uh, that's almost always something that should catch your attention, especially when it's a particular phrase that's repeated. And you may notice the NIV does a good job with this. In verse 6 it says, Jesus, was, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So this in very nature, this very nature phrase is repeated. And that's because Paul uses the exact same Greek words to say Jesus is and always has been in nature God. And then he says, but Jesus, we've come to understand because of the life that he lived, because of how he poured himself out on the cross, because of how that death on the cross was glorified and exalted by the father who sent his son to die on our behalf. Jesus displayed that his very nature is also the nature of a servant. And I have a feeling that if we were to spend a whole year just preaching and thinking about this, content, this concept, we would never get to the bottom of the idea that we worship a God who is not only all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, but all-loving, and that all-loving we can understand as being a God who also wants to serve. He has created human beings. He has created creatures who can think and know and love and feel like he thinks and knows and loves and feels because he wants to serve them and pour himself out for them. And Paul is saying in this passage, that's who he's always been, but we saw it and we understood it and we embraced it because we saw Jesus. 
and it changes everything about our lives. Uh, we read earlier together, we read some beautiful scriptures from Paul in Philippians 3, where he says, nothing else matters in my life. I have it all together, but uh, as far as anyone would say, I've got it all together as far as knowing God is concerned, but I consider all of it garbage so that I could gain Jesus. If I just would know him and his life and hit the power of his resurrection and his heart in me, that's what it's all about. And when Paul uses that word that we translate garbage, understand that when they read that letter, people would be like, can he say that word? That's the kind of word that he used to say everything in my life outside of Jesus. And so this, this whole book, uh, Philippians is a letter full of joy. Paul speaking to a church saying, if we're going to make this work as a congregation, as a fellowship, as people follow after Jesus, we're going to live into this mindset together of pouring out myself out of love for you because it's the example that Jesus has set for me. It needs to be my mindset. All right, let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Uh, it's a whirlwind tour, so hold on to your seats. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the body, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Philippians, written to Philippi, another city that has uh, a bunch of different Roman citizens living there. Roman citizens uh, uh, settled it, mostly retired Roman soldiers. So Paul's speaking to people from a whole bunch of different backgrounds and environments. Colossians, similar kind of thing, maybe not quite as diverse as far as different uh, Roman soldiers came from all over the known world at that point. Maybe not quite as diverse, but different Jews and Gentiles together here in Colossae. Colossians was also meant to be distributed to the cities around it, Laodicea, which you may remember from Revelation, and Hierapolis. All these cities were meant to receive the letter of Colossians. Colossians, as we're about to talk about in a minute, Colossians was sent along with Philemon. So those letters were sent together. Philemon was a member of the church in Colossae. So those are some things to know about Colossians. Now what we see here in this opening passage is Paul talking about Jesus again. What a surprise. And talking about who he is and what he's all about and what the world has been created for. I love this phrase that Paul says, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. This is all you need to know about um, the reason, the, the logic, the understanding of the world as we know that it exists from a Christian point of view. Science uh, has all kinds of great insights. Go and read those science, uh, science insights, and they're great. It tells you about the whole mechanism of how the world came to be and, and different things like that. That's great. And what the Bible tells you, what Scripture says, is that understand that all that scientific stuff, all the world that you see around you, the mechanisms that you see in the world around you, as the trees change color right now and the leaves fall, and then next thing you know, they'll grow up in the spring. Understand that all that was created because of Jesus, because he wanted it to exist, and for his glory and his joy. That's the reason that it exists. And that should bring meaning to every moment of your life. That's what Paul's saying to the Colossian church. 
He's going to talk to them about what it means to be a Christian different ways. He's going to talk to wives and husbands, parents and children, masters and slaves in their day. He's even going to talk to because they're going to be sitting in the same congregation, hearing the same message, seeing the same before the throne of God. He's going to talk about how if you're going to follow after God, there's neither Jew nor Greek, uh, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. They're all one in Christ Jesus, he's going to say in Colossians. But it all comes because we know that we have been created for Jesus through his power and to know his love and his presence in our lives. Now, um, when, I, when I read this uh, passage, and it talks about this idea of Jesus being the firstborn from among the dead so that he can have a supremacy, that God would have all his fullness dwell in him, and he'd reconcile the whole world to himself because the blood that he paid in our behalf, I can't help but think about the Disney movie Hercules. I'm sure you felt the same way. Because uh, when, when, in this passage and in Colossians in his letter, Paul, a lot of times, we don't always see it, he a lot of times will go after common sayings that they would have in their day. Because in their day, a lot of the things that Paul says about Jesus being Lord and Savior, they would say about Caesar. Or they might use it to describe a famous Roman god. John in Revelation is very, very fond of going after the Roman gods and the Roman emperors. But Paul will do it too. Because he wants you to know these people, they're, they're looking for the answer that's only found in Jesus. Everyone wants to find a Savior, a Redeemer, a Lord, a King who cares about you. But the only one who's there is Jesus. Everyone wants to find the God who hears my, uh, my cries, who knows the pain of my life, who has a plan for me for all eternity. Everyone wants to believe in that and find that. And Paul's saying, it's Jesus. Everyone's looking for Jesus. And when I watched Hercules, I, I feel like the writer of that movie was either a Christian or somebody who was longing for Christians to be true. Because at the end of that movie, something happens to Hercules that doesn't happen in the Greek myths. And, and if you, I won't, you know, watch the whole clip, but he, he uh, his, his love interest is captured by Hades and she's going into the swirling vortex of death where only the dead live. And Hercules dives into that swirling vortex of death to save his one true love. And then the fates, as I have pictured here, that these three uh Halloweenish creatures uh, that are called the fates. They try to cut the cord of his life, but they can't because the thread turns gold. In that, that's not something that happened in any of the Hercules myths, but someone there at some point has been influenced by the one true story, which is Jesus diving into the vortex of death of our world to bring us out and give us life. And when it came to his thread being cut, it was cut, but it came back and it can never be cut again. He's going to live forever and ever. Someone who wrote that movie, I swear, knows something about the story or is longing for it. And Paul speaks to those same kind of people. I also love that Hercules comes up and punches Satan in the face, which seems also appropriate. Uh, but Paul talks about these very, these very ideas of Jesus and what he's done for us and how he's made things right between us and God. All right, I'm going to read Philemon then, Philemon uh, verses 15 through 19. This is a real quick letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. Uh, Philemon's uh, slave, Onesimus, had run away and had found his way to Paul. Paul had worked with Onesimus, and uh, Onesimus had become a faithful follower of Jesus and a support to Paul. Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon with this letter. Paul says, Perhaps the reason Onesimus was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. 
So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. <laughs> I, like, I like how blunt Paul is about things sometimes. In this whole letter, I, 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 it, it entertains me because Paul is so often so blunt and direct about things. But in Philemon, he does a lot of like sugar talking like, hey, Philemon, Onesimus, I know, he ran away from you. But he's pretty great and realized all these things he's done for me. But at the end here, the real Paul seeps out and he's like, don't forget, you owe me your very self. Uh, and I, I like that. Because he's calling on Philemon to say, Onesimus is no longer your slave. So he makes it pretty clear. He says, remember, this, this guy's not your slave. He is your brother. Whatever his position to you in society doesn't matter because he's been called by the same Lord that you know. And you're going to live into that truth if you're going to be faithful to that Lord. And not only that, he says, treat him as you would treat me because we're the same. We're the equal level before Jesus. Um, it's interesting, if you look at the history of the American South, uh, that, that uh, in the times of slavery, there were those who took Philemon and said, oh, let's preach out of Philemon to make sure the slaves know they all have to stay for their masters, which is a terrible misinterpretation of what Paul is saying in Philemon. It's also interesting that there were several churches in the American South that literally took Philemon out of their Bibles because they understood the message that Paul's sending across. See, Paul and his messages, he does not say, uh, masters, set all your slaves free, because in their day, that really wasn't a concept anybody understood as far as like there was always going to be a position in society of slave and master. But Paul over and over speaks to slaves and masters in the same community saying, you are equal before Jesus. And in this, mess, in this book, in this little letter to Philemon, we see the heart of Paul in the early Christian community to begin to push people to say, if you really love someone, they can't be your slave. If you really love someone and care about them, they're not going to be your slave. And so you start to see that progression. You follow the early work of the church that Christians are no longer owning slaves. They're no longer in that, in that practice. And Paul specifically speaks in one of his letters about how you cannot be a Christian and a slave trader. They're already moving their way away from this, and that shows up for us for Lehman. All right, final spot I want to show you. If you're a citizen of Christ the King, you can't be living that way because you're, serving, you're under the suffering servant of Jesus who is going to uh, uh, teach you how to treat others as you want them to be treated. In a similar way, Ephesians speaks to us. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 28. Uh, Paul talks about marriage, so I'm going to cover marriage for you here real quick. Uh, uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 5, 21 through 28. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the body of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Now, you know, I can't fully cover this whole passage right now uh, in the time that we have, but the thing that I want you to see and that the thread that connects everything we looked at today begins with verse 21 where Paul says, submit to one another uh, out of reverence for Christ. The definition of life in the early church was mutual submission and service to each other. 
And it showed up in every relationship that people had. Their relationship to the world around them, to, world, to political leaders, their relationship to the work environment or master and slave relationships, or husband and wife as covered in this passage, was defined by mutual submission because these people understood that they were following a God who was all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and all-loving. His very nature was to serve, and he displayed it for us in Jesus, so it needs to define your life. So, yes, in this passage, Paul talks about wives, submit to your husbands. Wives, look to your husbands and allow them to show that leadership that God has called them to, to, uh, to display the life of Jesus in your life and follow along with them. He says that here, and then he turns to the husbands and says, husbands, your job's pretty easy. All you have to do is do exactly what Jesus did, die for your wife each and every day. Put your life on the line. Be the first to die for her every opportunity that you have. And women, that's what you're meant to follow. That's what you're meant to be in mutual submission with. The husband who's willing to put his life uh, on the line for you any moment of every day. Oh, sure, honey, I'll jump in front of a car for you. Uh, that's great. That's great. But are you doing the dishes for her? Are you, you know, making sure that you're thinking about her needs each and every moment and opportunity that you have? That's what Paul's talking about. And now for us today, we can say, oh, that, that's good, Paul. You know, that's, that's a good thing to hear. And some of the things that he says kind of stand out as maybe language we wouldn't think of using today. But man, Paul's standing up. But you have to realize, you really have to realize when you read these books, how countercultural what Paul was saying was. It was not a thing in Roman or Greek society. It was not a thing in Jewish society to say anything like what Paul says here about what husbands are meant to do for their wives, that you are meant to die for your wife, that you are meant to see her as the person that your life has been meant to serve and, and to put her needs above your own, wasn't a thing that anyone would say, but Christians who are following after Jesus and living that life of mutual submission said, of course, that makes sense. I'm meant to serve and live that way. Uh, man, I'm grateful to be following along with this. I just want to be faithful to the Jesus who is the Lord of my life and comes into my life desiring to serve and to lead with love. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we're so thankful to be part of this work that, that began, uh, Lord, in uh, the first century with those who knew you and loved you, with those who encountered you as the risen Lord and said, how can we share this love with others? Lord, the same passion and fire that motivates Elba and Wendy, as we saw in the video, Lord, let that passion and fire motivate me. Let it motivate me to serve and to pour out my life as you poured out your life. Let it motivate me to see others as you see them. Help me to remember that I was created through your power and for your glory. That, Lord, you take joy in each one of us. And, Lord, because of that, we can see each other as you see us. We can see our, our spouses. We can see our children. We can see the world around us through your eyes of love. Lord, pour that out through us and in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're able, please stand with us and worship.